The Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 14. A Meaningful Chapter. October 26th, Sweetheart Night. We knew that on Sweetheart Night, we were going to be getting our very own big sister. For me, Sweetheart Night was going to be amazing, because it was one step closer to being in the fraternity. Plus, women are awesome, and I thought that having another one in my life was going to be a cool thing. I hoped that it would be a hot sweetheart, so I could practice my suave moves on her. I had heard stories of brothers hooking up with sweethearts undercover, because doing so usually caused turmoil within the fraternity. If I did, I would have to seal my lips so I didn't sink any soaking wet ships. We shouldn't have to tell you that if you get busted dressed in drag on sweetheart night, that you were not pledging a fraternity. You lost a bet, or you are all completely dragged out college students having a gay old time. Either way, None of your shenanigans tonight will fall back on the fraternity in any way. Is that savvy? LT asked. He wasn't asking. He was telling us what the skinny was. The repeated lectures about not getting caught pledging were starting to get a little old. We were like secret agents. If we were caught, our agency would forget we ever existed. Since we were going to be in full-on drag that night, I would try my best to maintain my composure. The last thing I needed to do was get thrown in a drunk tank wearing a dress, thong, and makeup. For the event, LT told us that we would have to wear a dress, and that was all. If we wanted to go further, we could, but if one of us did something, every other pledge in the class had to as well. We wanted to go all out for the event to impress the sweethearts. We wanted to show we cared about the event, didn't give a fuck about personal shame, and we could have fun. James told us that some brothers cornered him and said that if we didn't wear thongs like all the previous classes did, we'd hate life. It was such bullshit, because if we had to wear the thongs, they should have just told us we had to. After much debate, we were going to be forced to wear them because James was wearing one no matter what. We would either get screwed because he had on a thong and we didn't, or we'd have to unify. So we unified. Go Team Thong! John and I set out in search of thongs and dresses. We knew lots of girls that were willing to lend us their stuff, but all of them knew that if it was for a fraternal event, they'd never get their stuff back. If someone did get their possession back from an event, it was usually somewhat different or tainted than its original state. If I was a girl, I wouldn't want some man's ass, balls, and dick in a piece of my underwear for a pledge event of all things. John and I waited until the day of the event to find dresses. We must have had the gift of gab, because it only took a few minutes of convincing to get Autumn and Tara to lend us their dresses. We asked Autumn and Tara, because all the girls I knew were too tiny for me to fit into their clothes. I asked for a thong too, but Autumn said, I'm sure there are lots of girls you can get that from. I've already given you a dress and so many other things this semester. Plus I like this dress, Mike, and I don't want you to destroy it. Please don't destroy it. I knew Autumn didn't favor the dress over her other dresses. Otherwise, she wouldn't have lent it to me. It was one of the only dresses that I could fit in, because of its material. We found this out after John and I stretched out some of Autumn and Tara's nice clothes. I told Autumn I would do my best to return her dress, but that was all that I could promise her. I told her if anything happened to it, I would buy her a new one. I would just need transportation to get to Walmart or the mall. 
A few hours before the event, Autumn helped me squeeze into her black and red dress so that I could get a feel for it. What's amazing is that all John and I cared about was that whatever we were wearing, we could run fast in. We looked in the mirror and laughed at ourselves in the dresses. We were quite the ladies' men, and we both looked fucking fabulous. As for finding the dresses at the last minute, we usually liked leaving things to the last minute. During pledging, anything could change at the last minute, so we didn't need to rush anything. We chose to hide in the study halls for the rest of the day so that we couldn't be found by brothers. When the event drew closer, we went back to the dorms to suit up. John had managed to either keep a pair of his girlfriend's panties at the time or borrow some from Tara. All I know is that I had to go down the hallway and ask Allison for a pair of panties. I felt so dirty asking her, but she gave them to me no problem. She even took me over to her drawer by the hand and said, Take whatever pair you want to destroy. I talked with her for a few minutes so that we would have a little closure because I felt bad for running away from her for most of the semester and I didn't want her to feel insecure. I also figured I may need some panties in the future and to burn a bridge would be a dumb idea. When I left her room, she tried to kiss me on the lips. I turned and kissed her on the cheek instead. I didn't want it to lead to what she wanted. I said goodbye to her and walked down the hallway. I was so happy that I had left with a pair of panties in my hand. Boy, had my priorities shifted while pledging. When I was in high school, I would have never thought I'd be more excited to be gifted a pair of women's underwear for an event than the pussy that was just thrown at me. I marched down the hallway as my confidence level grew, getting ready to prance around in lingerie and dresses. When I was walking to my room to get my dress on, I saw John in Autumn and Tara's room. They were putting makeup on him. Knowles, what the fuck are you doing? I yelled at the now full tranny Knowles. The fuck does it look like, Strikes? I'm getting a makeover, John replied, laying back into his pampered position. Both Autumn and Tara thought it was hysterical that they were giving John a makeover. I figured if I was going to wear a dress and thong, probably for the only time in my life, I should have the most fun I could with it. So, there I sat, while Autumn attempted to put eyeliner on my eyes. She put blush on me, and then I was ready to take on the world. After our makeup was done, and our girl talk was complete, John and I went back to my room. John and I started drinking to soothe our nerves. It was probably only 6pm or 7pm, but we were planning for a long night ahead of us. We put on comfy shoes and waited for the hour of judgment. We started to sober up slightly before we had to go out, which was a good thing because at the event, we knew we'd be drinking. When we left the rooms, we were freaking nervous. We had no idea what to fully expect out of the Sweetheart event, other than a wild time. When we arrived at the Sweetheart house, we were ready to be hazed. We had dresses on underneath our jogging shorts and shirts. Jewel came to the back door to meet us and told us that we weren't allowed to come in until we were dressed. Tony started panicking because he didn't have any of his clothes on. He went to Trent Barrera's house next door to change as fast as he could. When he knocked on the door... He was turned away and forced to change outside in the tiny patio trench. The people in Trent's living room couldn't see Tony because the blinds were drawn. James, John, and I were dying laughing because we had all planned ahead so such a thing wouldn't happen to any of us. Once Tony was changed, we all eagerly waited at the back door of the sweetheart house. When we could hear chanting inside, we knew the door would spring open any second and we would go into the event with our hearts racing. At that moment, Jewel came back outside, and she was delighted to see that we were all dressed as women, 
When she opened the door, the muffled chants turned into yelling, which could be heard from the street. Jewel led us through the back door of the house and through the kitchen, where the screaming became beyond loud. The house sounded like a stadium full of screaming women. I wanted to plug my ears, because the high-pitched wails of the women were one of the most horrible meshes of sounds I'd ever heard. We were led down the hallway and into the living room. The living room was full of screaming sweethearts and a few fraternity brothers holding beers that were quiet as church mice. All of them had their SIG-H letters on and were showing their unity. All of the sweethearts in the fraternity were there, and I even saw sweethearts that I never had before. Sandra Stacktwell Blackwell, an alumni sweetheart, had even come from out of town to help the sweethearts haze us. This bitch was a natural-born hazer. She had a fitting nickname, but the brothers told us if we used it, they would blackball us. Alright, you fucking schmegs, you have a very long night of events ahead of you. All of your brothers made it through this process, so you pussy lickers can do the same, right James? Jewel yelled, immediately singling out James. James didn't say anything, which is probably the best choice, but Jewel continued yelling at him. Too pussy to speak up, James? That's okay. You pussy. I feel like before we, sh before we get too far into the excitement of this story, um, you guys have gone through the, the panic of where are we going to get the stuff to wear? Yes. Where are we going to find what we're going to wear? And then you got to deal with the contingency of one guy slips in a thong. He's like, well, now what? Now, if you do this, then they're going to this is going to reflect badly on all of us. So you, you've <clears throat> you've already dealt with a couple of things that Chippy and I did not have to deal with. It was just me and him, man. And and at the time he was. uh at the time, we were both kind of seeing girls or hanging out with girls uh, that, that made this easy for us. Like, there was no struggle. There was, we knew exactly who we could go to that would dress us up and put our makeup on. and what, it, was, it was so easy. Um, so the tension for us didn't start until where you are right now. This is where stuff got uh, exciting. <laughs> The entire time was stressful in a, in a certain way because James wanted to wear the thong because right. he was being pressured by all of the brothers. And effectively, the rest of us had to as well. Yeah, you knew that was coming. And then we didn't have to wear makeup, but when I walked by, Knowles was getting makeup put on. So what's a guy to do? Other than roll with his crew and yeah. put on some I mean, makeup. You, you, had to, you had to be beautiful. That was the rule. So this is where the stress starts. Buckle up. We'll be using those voices later. But first, we want to see you schmegs dance. Who wants to go first? I didn't know if she was being serious, but I couldn't dance for the life of me. I kept quiet, hoping I wouldn't be called first, and it worked. Knowles, get over here, you pretty bitch. It's time to dance, Stackwell yelled. Little Sheila turned on some sexy rap stripper music. Knowles started trying to dance with his hands. It was awful. Someone turned off the music, like a needle scratching a record. Everything went quiet for a second. One second was all we needed to know that John had fucked up his dance already. Kelsey Coyle stood up, 
vodka bottle in hand, and said, Is that how you dance sexy? For a fucking alumni sweetheart, John? The whore speaks, we all thought to ourselves. According to the brothers, she was a sweetheart that hardly participated in any fraternal events. One time, when I was smoking weed with Eric, he told me that at his Fox and Hounds event, when he was pledging, he told Kelsey he would fuck her in the mouth so she'd shut the fuck up. Her nickname was Topsoil Coil because she fucked someone on the dirt behind the new Alpha frat house. When she yelled at John, he stood frozen in his dress, thong, and makeup like a pretty deer in headlights. He waited for his next instructions when Kelsey said, Dance sexy, John. Make Sandra Blackwell love it. Those were some of her only words to us the whole night and the entire semester. The music was put back on, and John tried to do a sexy dance, but still failed. After a few minutes of continued embarrassment and group laughter, the song ended. I clapped and got yelled at, and then got called to go second. John was told to sit down beside a giant Rubbermaid container. It was the same one from Fox and Hounds Night, and it was in the very same spot. After his dancing ordeal, John sat behind the container like he was taking shelter behind a bunker. I didn't want to fail as John had, so I planned to make body contact. When the song came on, I immediately started dancing as sexy as I could. The room ignited in laughter, the same way it had when John tried dancing. This time, the music didn't stop, so I kept dancing until the song ended. During the dance, I tried whatever I could to be sexy. It was hard to pull off a masculine male dance while wearing a dress, a thong, and makeup. I tried to be sexy by pulling my dress up, but accidentally ended up showing the tip of my cock. My cock had been uncomfortably tucked beside a thong string, and the string had been cutting my balls in half for a majority of the event. When the cock came out, Sandra slightly pushed me back. When I saw her eyes dart down, I was embarrassed again. Before the cock came out, I was gaining confidence through the encouragement of my pledge brothers, sweethearts, and the few fraternity brothers in the room. Once the penis had been exposed, it was too late to go back. I pulled my dress back down as far as possible so it would cover my junk and look like a hideous six foot seven Marilyn Monroe. I tried not to skip a beat. I turned around and I started booty grinding on Sandra, thinking that would be better. When I bent over, my dress rode up my back and I gave her a fruit basket view of my balls and cock again. The poor girl. I kept dancing through the increased laughter and finally what felt like an eternity came to an end with the final beat in the song. You know, when people are like, didn't that embarrass you when like you have to do something in the business world or uh, in a general social situation? I just think, no, motherfucker, I have known true embarrassment. And that is having to strip tease in front of a bunch of sexy chicks while you're dressed as a chick and don't want to be. And you're completely sober. No embarrassment. I no embarrassment. I am embarrassment. <laughs> and this is just like one of like thousands of things. After I was done, I was directed to sit down and yelled at by Jewel for giving her the second shittiest dance she had ever seen. She stared long and hard at John Knowles, so he knew who had given her the worst dance. It was James's turn next, and I'd never seen a better dancer in a thong and dress. James exited the room before his dance, because he had a routine. The music came on, 
and James came running into the room. Stacktwell tried to stand up so that someone else could sit down in the chair. I think she was embarrassed that my balls and dick had been put in her face. She didn't get the chance to stand up because when James ran in, he pushed her back down in the chair. He started his dance off strong by making quick thrusting motions back and forth. His bunny-like movements were so fast that his dress rode up to his belly button. This fully exposed James's green thong that fit his dick perfectly as he flung it back and forth towards Stackwell's face. She didn't know what to do, and the entire mood of the room changed to laughter. When he got tired from thrusting, he took a page out of my booty grind book, but he made his dance sexier by putting his finger in his mouth. It was awesome to watch James in action because he was a natural. James's song didn't last as long as John and I's, but it made the night for all of us. It didn't matter how well Tony did as the last man because one of us did a good job. James made it memorable for all who came. James took a seat after a round of applause from the girls. A few of the fraternity brothers whispered, That a boy. When it was Tony's turn to perform, Cassandra said, Tony, there's no way you're going to do that well, but give it a try. When the music came on, Tony tried to mimic the same thing James had just tried, the super bunny. However, it didn't work out for poor Tony. I can just like, every time that I hear this part of the book, I can fully vividly like close my eyes and remember the whole thing. Like, but every time it gets better and better as I get older, it's like I add funnier things. But going off of just the base story is funny enough that he ran out and started dancing. But like, in my mind, then he screams as he's coming out. But that didn't happen. But as he came out, man, I can remember that from front to end. And it is hysterical. I'm crying laughing. He magic mic'd it. He did. It was the greatest. And Stackwell tried. To, she saw it coming, and she had already seen two dicks. She did not want to see three at that moment in the night. She wasn't drunk enough yet. Wasn't feeling all these strange dicks in her face. And she tried to get up, and he pinned her down, and he literally face-fucked her. He couldn't get enough speed and lost momentum fairly quickly into the start of the song. Not even Ludacris's sweet song could save Tony at this point. He tried my moves, he tried John's moves, and he tried his own moves. He just had no rhythm, and for me to say that means he had no rhythm. Tony held in there and kept strong, a trait that Tony possessed that I appreciated him for. Tony had heart and gave his heart to everything he did. He wanted in the fraternity and he was trying his absolute best to get in, just like the rest of us. After the song ended, everyone belittled Tony, and he took a seat with the rest of us around the bucket. Stackwell began speaking with such bitchy authority, I instantly hated her at that moment. What do you fucking schmegs think you're doing sitting there doing nothing? Get up! You're not even close to being done. This was just some shit we came up with at the last second to have some fun with you homos. Now we're going to start the real event. We all looked at each other in disappointment, because if the real event hadn't started yet, the rest of the night would be a blast. I just want to let everybody know that these discriminatory comments came from the people themselves and not from the author. The author does not support belittling of people based on their love, interests, gender specifications, identifications, etc., mm. etc., et race, creed, nationality. I think you've covered yourself. Religion. 
Little Sheila stood up with a short list in her hands and addressed our pledge class. It's 11.05 p.m. right now. You guys have to be back here at 12.05 a.m. and have everything on this list. Oh, and if you're a minute late, none of it matters. You'll need to get every sorority to sign a plain white t-shirt. Get a Tri-Chi Triple X sorority girl to sign one of your asses. And get a receipt from the convenience store beside the bar for a pack of gum that reads exactly 12 a.m. Did you guys have to do all of these things? I I feel like it was much more like our scavenger, our sweetheart scavenger hunt was was intense. There was like 20 or 30 items on it. So maybe it's because you had given us a list of 25 just a few days earlier that their list was short this time. Maybe you knew time was going to be limited or something. It's possible. Well, my memory is hazy. <laughs> ah, I like the puns. Well, I just want to point out that uh, we have an hour to get all of these things or they don't matter. Right. The receipt can't be 11.59 p.m. or 12.01 a.m. Last but not least, bring us pot and something to smoke it out of. You guys aren't allowed back on campus. You'll have to use your resources. The time starts now. Go. Okay, so we have to get a bunch of items and a receipt from a local store that reads at a specific time, not a minute before, not a minute after. And then we only have four minutes after that to get to the house to turn in all, all of right. the things. So this is like extremely tight scavenger hunting. Yeah. Now, Eric, I have to ask you, have you read this far into the book yet? No, no, I've not read this far in. Okay, so you're about to find out how we actually completed our night and got all of these tasks actually done. So okay. this, you will be, this will got, be a surprise for me. You only got to hear the end part that, yeah, they, right. they got everything on the list. I couldn't believe it. Now you're going to yeah. see how it actually how got accomplished. Here we go. It'll be fun. There were no questions allowed. We got up and raced out the back door so that we could divvy up the jobs. Another fucking scavenger hunt. What am I, Columbus? John yelled while wearing Tara's sexy dress. Okay, there is no way we'll be able to finish everything if all of us stick together the whole time. How about one person goes to get the store receipt, and the rest of us will get the t-shirt signed, some pod, a pipe, and Tri-Chi signatures, I said. I'll get the receipt. Tony offered. The worst of the items had been picked, and we all thanked Tony for his courage. I don't think any of us wanted to wait in the convenience store wearing drag, especially around the time that bar patrons were cruising by the convenience stores for snacks. Tony wanted to get the receipt. You know when somebody... He was trying to just show that he could take on any hard task. And you know when somebody takes that's the like, shittiest task? It, that's what he would do to show that he was worthy. And it was admirable. You couldn't say anything to the guy. But in retrospect, like that was like the easiest task. To wait inside the convenience store dressed in drag? You wouldn't really have to wait inside the convenience store. Okay. You had you had an hour. All you'd have to do is get there like ten minutes before the time where you needed to get the receipt from. Okay, so that's that's maybe where somebody could go wrong. 
because we needed the receipt at 12. And that's right, so you get there at like 11:50 and you wait inside the store at like 11:50. But all the drunks were in that store at the time and there was like a lineup outside. Oh, right, the 7-Eleven right next to the bar or whatever the store was. Yes. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> One of those Quickie Mart style places. Yeah, I don't know if I actually had named it in the book, but that's what it was. It was a 7-Eleven. Was, it, but, was it a 7-11? Yes, I hope I, I don't guess, get sued. I, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, for the longest time, I have used the term 7-Eleven to, to describe Fast Mart, Valero, uh, <laughs> Quick Check, Quick Stop. It's all 7-Eleven to me. It's so a it's gas like a station, tissue? Gas, it's a gas station t- Yeah, it's a gas station. It's a t- convenience store. It's a 7-Eleven. Okay, fair enough. Well, it was actually a 7-Eleven. And Tony offered to go there at midnight, and it was right beside the bar. It was right beside the bar. Funny enough, now that I bring now that I bring all that up, that Seven Eleven didn't have gas. (laughs) No, it did not. (laughs) It literally was a food stop. So now think about how much more traffic was in there at the time. This was a terrible task. That's okay, Tony. Since we have to be back here at twelve oh five. Meet us in this parking lot, as close to 12.05 as you can. We know you'll be running from the convenience store, so you should be here with a few minutes to spare. Thanks again, man. The rest of us will have to race back to campus to get white t-shirts, weed, and a pipe. That'll take about 5 to 10 minutes. Then we'll start getting sorority signatures, and we'll save Trikai for last, since it's on the other side of campus. Since nobody is watching us, I'd probably take off your thongs and put them in your pocket or something. I don't have a pocket, man, Tony yelled. Just hide it over there by Claire's door, I said, as I pointed to Claire's apartment that was between the sweetheart house and Trent Barrera's apartment building. The rest of us put our thongs in my backpack so we'd have them close if we needed them. I pat Tony gently on the back and we started our adventure. Tony lazily walked to the convenience store knowing he'd have to hang out for an hour, getting heckled by drunks that were at the bar next door. The rest of us sprinted to the dorm with a backpack of clothes. James, John, and I all threw sweaters on over our dresses. James ran to his dorm room to get white t-shirts for Tony and himself. He said he would wait in the quad for us. John and I raced up to my room to get the other two white t-shirts, a marker, weed, and my one-hitter. When we got to the room, we thought we were fine but John and I had been coming down from some serious pre-drinking from earlier in the night. Our makeup had started to run as soon as we got inside the hot dorm. The moment that John and I walked into my room, Paul Knox, who hadn't seen John and I that night, up until that point, couldn't stop laughing at us. We closed the door and locked it behind us. We were safe for the moment because nobody had seen us except for Paul. Paul still couldn't stop laughing at us. He didn't even see the dresses and it was too dark to see the makeup on us. Paul was laughing because we'd look like we were running from someone. It was at that moment I turned on the light and a bellow of laughter exploded. Paul was able to muster one sentence through his laughter. You guys look like crying mimes. What the fuck are you wearing on your faces? He only saw the makeup, so I pulled up my sweater a little and showed him a portion of the dress. The idea that we were in drag underneath the dresses was too much for him to handle. Aw man, I have to take a picture of this, Paul said, pulling his camera out of his drawer. 
when you think about all of the things that my roommate has now seen, like me coming back smelling like onions, me coming back smelling mu- like mustard, me trying to come back and rub one out in the bed and him telling me to go into the shower, me coming back and dumping all of my change on the floor and then leaving it there and running back and kicking it under the thing. Me coming back now dressed in drag. Me breaking the screen and smoking weed outside. Well, he was an active participant in that as well. But, you know, all of the other things. My roommate, uh, while I was pledging, was definitely uh, helpful uh, as often as he could be. As one can. Yeah. I'll give you one better, bro. We were on a scavenger hunt. I said. I grabbed my bag of pot, which was a little less than a quarter of really good weed, and a pipe out of my closet. I debated what white t-shirts to use. I grabbed two white t-shirts, but then thought about it for a second. Why am I going to let them destroy two of my t-shirts? I replaced both of the white t-shirts with white t-shirts with fishing logos on the other sides. I gave a half-white t-shirt to John, and he asked, What the fuck is this? A white fucking t-shirt, dude, I said. No, no it's not, Mike. It's half a white t-shirt with a giant Momo fish on the other side of it. Paul's laughing had begun dissipating when he was searching for his camera. But when he heard John and I's argument, he started laughing again. Yo, shut the fuck up, Knox, I said, and paused for a moment. Knowles, this is all I have. You have white t-shirts right there, John drunkenly slurred. I have one white shirt total, and I will need it for being under a dress shirt, I said. Fine, I'll go use one of my own. John left the room and came back in a split second with a white t-shirt. You ready, man? I'm wearing my motherfucking party dress. Of course I'm ready. Let's go. See ya, Paul, I said with my Chuck Taylors already squeaking down the emergency stairwell and to the courtyard to meet James. We met James and started our journey for sorority signatures. When we got off campus, we put our comfy street clothes back into my backpack. We were in our full-blown drag again, minus any undergarments. We went to the Sigma Alpha Sigma sorority house first, because it was right beside Muse. I remembered the familiar porch and staircase of doom. As I led my pledge brothers up the long steps, I was greeted by three girls outside. Hey ladies, we need some Sigma Alpha Sigma signatures. Oh, we aren't sisters yet. We're all rushes, but we can take you inside. I think Veronica is upstairs. I remembered that name. It was the girl that had invited me onto the porch to smoke at the beginning of the semester. The girls knew we were on a scavenger hunt. It didn't need to be said. When the girls led us upstairs, I was greeted with a huge smile and hug from Veronica, who was indulging in some wine by herself. Hey, we're on a scavenger hunt, and we need you to sign these shirts for us, I begged. No problem. Matt, right? she asked. Mike, I reminded her. When I said we were on a scavenger hunt, I didn't get asked a lot of questions. We were also dressed like girls, so it was obvious we were pledging a fraternity. Sorority girls seldomly asked what fraternity we were pledging. When they did ask, it wasn't with ill intentions. Most of them had friends or partners in most of the fraternities and wanted to know which pledges would be the up-and-coming fresh meat. Veronica didn't ask what fraternity we were pledging, She happily signed our shirts and wished us luck. We ran to the Zeta Alpha house next, which was only a few houses down. Nobody answered the door, so we raced to Hannah's apartment. 
She was a Zeta Alpha sister that I'd met at a party earlier in the semester. We hoped she'd be home and able to sign our shirts. We were lucky, and she was home. When we got there, she thought it was awesome we were dressed in drag. She signed our shirts and gave us each a kiss on our cheeks for being such good sports on our scavenger hunt. It was a bonus to an otherwise stress-filled evening. She told me we needed to hang out sometime, and then we left. For the next sorority signature on the list, we ran to the Epsilon Upsilon house. A rush for their sorority answered the door. She told us the sorority sisters were at a mixer with Alpha Nu. We only had one choice if we wanted their sorority signature. We'd have to run to the mixer and start bagging sorority girls that were on the front deck of the party to come and sign our shirts. We all ran to the Alpha Nu house, which was the furthest house away from us on the light side of campus. We started screaming in their front lawn. Epsilon, Epsilon! Epsilon, Epsilon! We need your signatures! Unfortunately, the Alpha Nu brothers started laughing at us before the girls could come over. They were all shouting at us, but that was to be expected since we were dressed in drag. We did our best to block them out and focused on the signatures. Imagine standing out somebody, outside somebody's house, dressed in drag, screaming their sorority name and expecting a positive response. Well, I mean, to be fair. College. College, yeah. I mean, you're in a you're in a college that has Greek life. This is probably not the first time. This is probably the manyth time this has happened. Imagine that this is the norm. This is the norm at so, this time. I I think at this school, people just don't understand. Parents just don't understand. Send your kids to college for this shit. <laughs> hey, you. James yelled, pointing to a girl on the porch that looked like she wanted to help us. Can you sign our shirts? Of course, boys, she said, as she pranced over to us in her cute Greek-lettered sweatshirt and skirt. Do I have to write anything in particular? She asked sweetly as she introduced herself to each of us. We only need your name and signature on each of these shirts, John said. Next, we needed a Delta Mu signature, and we were closest to Jules' house. We knew her roommate was a Delta Mu, so we ran over to their house next. We didn't stop running until we got to their house. On the way to their house, we tried to take the routes that would have the least amount of people catcalling at us. We ran by the new Alpha fraternity house, where the brothers cheered and laughed. We also ran by parties where people outside couldn't help but notice the guys running down the street in dresses. While Jules' roommate signed our shirts, we planned out how we could make it to the dark side to get someone in the Tri-Chi, Triple X sorority, to sign one of our asses. It was as if fate had chosen a path for us, because the girl signing our shirts piped up and said, You know, there are Tri-Chi girls that live on the light side, right? She asked. Really? We all said in unison. Yeah, their president and vice president live on the light side. Do you know where? Yeah, they live in the apartments beside the big new Alpha house. Thank you so much. Hey, what are the girls' names? She told us their names and told us not to forget them. By the time we got to the apartments, we couldn't remember either of the girls' names. Since we had a vague location, we took it Brooklyn style and screamed from the streets. We started screaming, Tri-Chi girls! Hey, are there any triple X girls around? We were shouting at two sets of apartments because we didn't know which apartment complex the girls lived in for sure. 
a guy shouted from his apartment, Hey, shut the fuck up down there. Hey, have you seen any Tri-Kais? We asked him, agitating him more, but hoping he'd help solve our situation for us. In that instant, a 40-ounce bottle of cheap beer broke and shattered into thousands of tiny pieces beside us. Get lost, you fucking faggots! A voice shouted. We thought our scavenger hunt was going to get worse when another window opened up on the same apartment building. Hey, who are you guys looking for? A girl asked. Anyone from Tri-Kai, we're on a scavenger hunt. You know their house is on the dark side, right? She said, disappointing all of us. We thought the race was over at that instant, and that we had failed. We don't have time. We heard one of the girls lived here, I shouted back. How about you guys come on up, and we'll talk. It's the top apartment on the left. It's open, she yelled, for everyone including the haters to hear. When we went up to the apartment, we were greeted by three girls we had never met. Our roommate isn't Tri-Kai. What did you boys need Laura for? One of the Amazonian women asked. We are on a scavenger hunt, and we need a Tri-Kai to sign one of our asses. Well, Laura's at a party on the dark side. All of us became depressed again, thinking we wouldn't get the signature. We also thought these girls had baited us into a party in our dresses. The girl continued, But if you want, I can sign her name. We can't do that. They'll know, I said. Do you really think they're going to call a Tri-Kai girl and ask if she signed your ass? Or use forensics to compare her signature to the one on your hairy ass? John interjected. I have a really smooth bum, like a baby's ass. Of course, that's what the Knowles interrupts with. Of, of course. We don't have a choice. Sign one of our asses, I said, pulling my skirt down below my ass cheeks. The girl immediately went to town, but she said our marker wasn't good enough. The marker's tip had become dull from writing on our white t-shirts. The girl went and got another marker from her kitchen and returned to the living room, where her two friends were chatting us up. The ass signing commenced, and then the other two girls felt uninvolved, so they asked if they could make up signatures of Tri-Kai girls. Then the three of them wrote their fake names on all of our asses, instead of just mine. We hoped that the sweat wouldn't wear away the signatures by the time that we were done. The timer was still ticking down, and all we were missing was the receipt from Tony. We were almost out of their apartment door when the girl stopped us. Don't you want to know our names? Or at least the names of the girls we put on your asses? They asked. Oh shit, of course, James said. Amber, Tiff, Val, Julie, they said in sequence. When the shirt signing was said and done, we had gotten our shirt signed by every sorority on campus. We also got a bonus signature when we were getting our asses signed. We got a signature from a girl named Mallory that was in Omega Psi Zeta. It wasn't even a social sorority, because we had gotten them all. It was an academic sorority. We went to meet up with Tony after we had collected all of the signatures. Instead of going to our prearranged meeting spot, we waited outside the store for him. We knew Tony would be leaving the convenience store just after 12 a.m. When we saw Tony run out of the convenience store, we called out to him. He had the receipt in hand. When we were all together, we took the longest way back to the sweetheart house, so we could sneak back with the least amount of exposure in our dresses. 
We raced up the hill towards the main chapter house so we could cut through all the apartments to get to the sweetheart house. When we left the convenience store, we had three minutes left on the clock to get back to the sweetheart house. While we were running, we ran by an outdoor party that had lots of people on the lawn. One of those people was Kirk. When we were running up the hill by the chapter house, I heard him yell, Yeah, two strikes. Go get it, man. Looking sexy. Woohoo! We ran in a perfect formation of drag queens as we head back to finish our event. We reached the sweetheart house, huffing and puffing, but at least our balls were nice and cool, in our skirts and dresses. We'd gotten back just in time, and with everything on our scavenger hunt less completed. Sort of. We were so proud of ourselves, and it was a lot of fun being miserable with my pledge brothers. We grabbed our thongs out of my bag, and Tony grabbed his from outside Claire's house. We put them back on, and pushed through the back door of the sweetheart house with speed. We did it! We cheered. The sweethearts were waiting for us in the living room of the house. They were all drinking, and when we came in, their eyes fixed on us. There were still a few brothers, quietly puttering around the house, but trying to stay out of the girls' event. We thought we were in for an all-out bitch-fest when Jules stood up and walked towards us. The four of us were huddled in the doorframe of their living room. Where the fuck are all the items from our list, shit-stains? Jewel asked, grabbing my backpack from me. James helped Jewel pull the bundle of shirts out of the backpack. I made sure that when we gave our shirts to Jewel, mine ended up hidden under someone else's. I handed them to her in a disorganized pile. One of the girls somehow immediately spotted my shirt in the pile. She pulled it out and said, Hey, what's this? What do you mean? Another sweetheart asked. Oh, what the fuck? Which one of you dumb fuckers brought the white fish shirt? Jewel screamed at the top of her lungs. It made the... Remember when I was talking about the white fish shirt earlier to you off mic? <laughs> it came back to bite me in the ass. It came back. Who the fuck brought the white fish shirt? It was me. Excellent. The hair stand up on the back of my neck. Jewel continued screaming. Mike, didn't we tell you to get a regular white t-shirt? What the fuck is this? You couldn't find a plain white t-shirt on this entire campus? I thought the shirt was going to get destroyed, so I brought a half-white t-shirt with a fishing logo on the other side. Nobody ever said entirely white. It's just a logo, I answered, knowing whatever I said was a wrong answer. That's not a fucking logo. That's a goddamn placemat, because it looks like someone threw up their fish dinner all over your shitty white shirt, Jewel said. I didn't give a fuck about the white shirt. But for whatever reason, her talking down to me made me want to rage out. What about the party favors? Cassandra asked. I presented them with my weed, and Kyle Baker grabbed my entire bag from me. At that point, I realized I should apportion some for myself. Please don't smoke it all, I said. We will smoke it all if we want to, Strikes. You don't fucking tell us what we're going to smoke. You can smoke Knowles' dick, you fucking schmegma. Woof! Kyle barked. Shut up, Kyle, Jewel said. You started shaking your head immediately. Is it because you knew it was Kyle that was talking? Yes, yes. it's because I just know that attitude. I know I know the ego and ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah. See, I captured this perfectly. It really makes, <laughs> now that I think about it, that's good writing when a character is villainized. 
like that. Yeah, no doubt. We won't smoke all your weed, Mike, Cassandra said sweetly. I was relieved they weren't going to smoke all the weed, but I knew that a torturous evening was still ahead of us. Kyle sarcastically spoke again. As much as we don't want to see the signatures, let's see some signatures. We dropped our skirts, or lifted our dresses in some cases, and showed our signed asses. As James and Noel showed their signatures, they both had fully exposed fruit baskets. The room broke out in laughter. They didn't care who signed our asses. The fact we had found anyone to sign our asses was impressive. Once the laughter died down, Kyle chimed in again. How do we know you guys didn't sign your own asses? Tell me, how am I going to sign my own ass? John asked. Okay, we know you're lying. Who did you get to sign your asses? Kyle asked again. Try guy, man. The ones on the scavenger hunt list. I remembered one was named Amber. Look at the signatures. I said, exposing my naked ass to Kyle, literally bluffing my ass off. I still think you're lying, because there wasn't enough time to do it all, Kyle said, before being shot evil stares by all the sweethearts to shut the fuck up. He remained quiet for almost the rest of the event, remembering it was sweetheart night, not Kyle Baker night. The lie had been told. I had to let it simmer. I couldn't defend it anymore. Then, like a miracle of God, Cassandra spoke up and said, No, I know Amber. I know all these girls. At least the ones I can make the signatures out on. I'm just impressed you found the girls in time and got all your asses signed when you only needed one person's ass signed. The way that she said it almost made me think that she knew that we hadn't gotten to the Trikai house in time. How would any of them know who signed our asses, though? They had probably never seen any actual Trikai's signatures let alone would they have been able to decipher them off of our asses. Thanks for getting this stuff for us. You guys are good at getting shit done. Are you ready to start the actual event? Big Sheila asked. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah, Tony said eagerly. We all laughed a little at his enthusiasm. He'd just sat in a convenience store dressed in drag, so he was more than fully committed to the event. What the fuck are you laughing at? This isn't a joke. Get on your fucking knees by that blue bucket, Jewel screamed at us. I hated it when anyone screamed at me. Over the semester, I had slowly learned how to mentally block out screaming fraternity brothers. This was different, though. It was impossible to ignore the high-pitched, mind-penetrating screams of the squadron of drunken banshees yelling in our faces. So, that's how we completed the scavenger hunt. We had a bunch of random bitches forge signatures on our asses that were you do what you gotta do at this point we think that they were from that sorority you used your resources and that's the important thing and uh what is that 16 17 years later i just showed eric that shirt i still have the shirt Phenomenal souvenir. And that was not, that is a giant, that's like not a white t shirt. That is a giant fish logo on the front. <laughs> right. It's like the whole front of the shirt. Is now, do you see why I got in trouble? Yes, absolutely. So, do you know how many girlfriends I've had to yell at not to wash that shirt? <laughs> that's, that's awesome. The fact that it's more than one makes this shirt uh, a souvenir at this point. It's lived a life. Some people aren't even 17 years old. This shirt is 17 years old. I am an old fuck. 
back to the regularly scheduled program. All I wanted to do was shove a sock in her mouth. Have you guys ever seen this bottle before? Jewel asked, holding up an old crow whiskey bottle. Yes, we said together. It was one of the drinks of Sigma Iota Gamma Eta. Good, now listen. The sweethearts gathered around a piece of paper and began speaking together. They started to read what sounded like a boring history lesson about someone named James C. Crow. When anyone in the fraternity started reading anything to us, it usually meant we would either have to memorize something or find something. Usually, before we had to memorize a specific phrase or chant, we would get to hear it first, and usually, we'd hear it twice. We sat around the same Rubbermaid we did once before during the Fox and Hounds event. It was our try-again puke bucket. Except this time, I had a strong feeling that we weren't going to be drinking water out of a vodka bottle. The girls finished reading their piece of paper and pulled a gallon of bourbon out of a brown paper bag 